Regions believes that being a bank means serving the community. Regions is shining the light on local food banks as they feed our neighbors in need. See how you can help at regions.com slash food bank. The Regions branches are open by drive through or lobby appointment only. Bank safely and securely from almost anywhere with Regions Online banking or mobile banking. Data rates may apply. Regions Bank. Member FDIC. The Duly Noted Podcast is brought to you by Vistar Credit Union. We never forget that it's your money. And ABC Fine Wine and Spirits. Always be celebrating. This is the Duly Noted Podcast. Everything Florida Gators with your host, Pat Dooley. Okay, welcome into another edition of the Duly Noted Podcast. Uh, we're not far away from when we're going to go two a week. That'll be after the first game. And, of course, then we'll do a kind of a wrap-up of the things that happened, including the Florida game, and then a, a look ahead on uh, Thursdays. So it'll be Tuesday, Thursday. So anyway, uh, but right now, um, I know everybody – I got a lot of really nice emails from people that were really happy to see the podcast back and, and text messages as well. You may – sense a little bit of excitement in my voice and a lot of it has to do with the fact that tv times were announced for several of florida's games and it did feel like again another step forward um i i it could all blow up we don't know i mean i'm, I'm not gonna sit here and say we're there's definitely gonna be football on september 26th i think there will be there probably will be uh, but we don't know what's going to happen. I mean, shoot, anything could happen. So I'm not going to get too excited, but there is excitement in my voice. Um, and again, we're not going to go to the opening game. Uh, as far as I know, We're at, at least the mode is that we're not going to go. It makes no sense for Robbie and I to go all the way to Oxford and watch a Zoom call and then, dry, and then fly back or drive back. I don't know if we'd fly anyway. Um, so... But I'm still happy that it's a noon game. And nobody can complain because you get up in the morning and you watch that game. And then there are other games after, and there are games going on. In fact, Kentucky-Auburn, which is a game I'm interested in, I can now just sit in my office and watch Florida play Ole Miss with the sound on and, and pay attention to it. But, you know, a Kentucky-Auburn game will be off in the peripheral. I can put that on the other TV. Uh, it, it excites me. Uh, it, hopefully we get, we get there. It's day by day, step by step. But for those of you who don't know, um, they announced this a little while ago before I, fil- I ta- started taping this, that Florida's first two games will be noon games uh, against Ole Miss, of course, there and against South Carolina here. Uh, a little bit later in the show, Heath Klein's going to join us. You guys know Heath. He's been, uh, he was around here forever doing uh, radio and uh, now up in South Carolina and Columbia doing radio up there. So we'll have him on the show to talk a little bit about, about South Carolina. Also, they announced the LSU game for 3.30, but it's an ESPN game. So it's kind of funny. I wonder if th- this has anything to do with it being an ESPN game instead of a CBS game with the fact that LSU continues to get gutted every on almost a daily basis, and I'll get to that later, or if it's just that they have LSU on for a lot of other games. They announced uh, some of the CBS games. The first day it'll be CBS will be uh, Mississippi State at LSU. There's there's one example of LSU playing. So we'll go right into that. Now, the, the I'm really – this is going to be a surreal experience. My wife and I were talking – we have only seen one Florida football game together in our lives, in our lives, okay? And that was the Kentucky game, the year of Tebow's concussion game. I did not go to that. I don't want to get into the reasons for it. Um, it, it, it all worked out for the better. One day I'll tell you the whole story, uh, but not ready to tell that story right now. Uh, but anyway, I didn't go to that game. That was the only game I have missed – uh, Florida games since 94 because 94 is when I quit being columnist and started writing again or quit being sports editor and started writing again so my wife and I have not been to a, ga- a game a watch the game other than that so we're going to watch them all this year maybe all of them uh, I don't know if we're going to go to the home games I think we will 
I mean, we're leaning towards it. We're still going to be doing only Zoom calls. Uh, but I I do feel like like you don't want to spend a bunch of money to go and maybe get one paragraph of atmosphere, you know? I mean, the Grove's not going to be open, uh, you know, all that stuff. With in a home game, you can it's worth going and getting some atmosphere and, you know, it, it, the social distancing and it will be there and it's not like we're going to be exposed that much. But I'm not 100% sure just because I still have – I'm still leery. You know, you make it through 26 weeks of this crap and you don't want to blow it now. Um, so, anyway, we do know that. Uh, just to, just quickly, um, some of the other games, Texas A&M Alabama will be on the second week of the season for on CBS. Georgia-Alabama it will be an 8 o'clock game on October 17th. Uh, that sounds like – a lot of fun. <laughs> I'm looking forward to that. LSU Auburn on the 31st, and of course, Florida Georgia will be 3:30. It's in it's in the contract. They uh, there's no big announcement there. Uh, Alabama at LSU will be a six o'clock game on the December 14th. We were I did see a great tweet from Peter Burns talking about how the day that LSU and um no the, I'm sorry that F, that sorry that alabama lsu game is the day of the third round of the masters it's also my birthday november 14th thank you very much all gifts are welcome and can you imagine that moment when cbs goes and that's uh that's it for the for the third round of the masters uh Bryson DeChambeau and Tiger Woods tie for the lead. It ought to be a great day tomorrow. And now we take you to LSU and Alabama. I mean, this this is surreal to think about that and exciting. Now, I don't know if we're going to see it, but it's still going to be exciting. So that's where we are with uh, the times of games. And the funny thing is I had written down, I was doing the notes for the podcast today, and I had written down when are we going to get the TV schedules. And – then I then I wrote next to it, does it really matter? Because, look, guys, none of us – well, not I don't want to say none of us. Most of us are not going to any football games this year. We may go to some home games. You may go to some home games. Uh, depends on whether you're, where your priorities are in terms of ticket uh, numbers and everything like that, whether you can get a ticket for the game. And I'll get into that in just a minute too. But for the most part, we're going to be sitting home watching football. It doesn't matter what time they're playing it, okay? And they can announce it on Friday. You're not having to make plans to fly, to drive up to Gainesville, stay in a hotel, or, or go on the road. Only 500 tickets available uh, for the school to distribute for, for road games. You're not going to Oxford, okay? It, it, you know, so they could have, they could have waited till Friday to announce that game. We'd have gone, all right, noon, huh? I'll set the alarm for 11. <laughs> I'll sleep until 11, get up, have some breakfast, and watch the Gators play Ole Miss to open the season. Um, now, I will say this. Let's, let's, let's discuss this real quickly, and then we'll take our first break, which we always take around this time. The fact that the game is a noon game means it's an 11 o'clock game out there. That's never good when you're the visiting team, but a lot of coaches love it. They love to get that game done, get back. You know, if that that plane will pull out of Oxford, Mississippi, Eastern time around, I don't know, 536 o'clock, you're, you may be home in time to see the 8 o'clock games or 9 o'clock games anyway. So in a, that part of it is good, but you always worry about a team going on the road for an 11 o'clock game. Even though your bot, your your alarm clock and internal alarm clock is still set for noon, but still, you have to eat, get up, eat breakfast, and it's kind of, you got to make sure you hydrate and get everything done. And we're dealing with all this situation, obviously. And you're going to be in a hotel. It's going to make you a little nervous too. So you get the nerves starting the season, the nerves of staying in a hotel, which usually you kind of get out of the way because you stay in a hotel for camp, but they're not doing that this year. 
And, uh, you know, that I will say this. That game is kind of ripe for an upset. Nobody knows what Lane Kiffin's going to throw at him. But I think this Florida team is really good. And we, we'll be talking about that more as we go along. All the things we're hearing from and, – and last night there was a Zoom call with Todd Grantham, a couple of defensive players, which was great. Glad Florida's doing that. I did ask – Dan Mullen about that last week that I thought we needed to get to that point. People need to hear from their players. And um, so I I thought it was great. But when you hear everybody who talks about this team, they whether it's Dan Mullen or, or now Todd Grantham, and I think Wednesday we get Brian Johnson as, as well, it's all positive, positive, positive. Now, I have, I've always said this is one of my many sayings. i got to write these down in a book one day. One of my many sayings is the only news that can come out of preseason camp is bad news. You're never going to get good news because you don't know if it's true or not. We're not allowed out there. Nobody's allowed out there except, you know, the players and the, and the staff and the, and the trainers and stuff. So for all we know, Kyle Pitts has dropped every pass he's been thrown. They can say he's caught everything and he's making circus catches. We don't know that. We assume that they're telling us the truth. But I also wonder if coaches are a little more – I'm trying to think of the right word – effusive in their praise because you don't want guys opting out, man. You don't want to – you know, remember the guy last year, was it Bleich, who was a starter on the offensive line, and he quit well, – it was after the Georgia game, right? He quit. And the reason he quit, apparently, was because he was tired of getting yelled at. It's going to be hard to yell at guys, man. I don't know if, if they're having to adjust their coaching style because all of a sudden a guy goes, that's it, I'm opting out. I wonder how – so, again, I, I'm not going to worry about what the coaches say and how good these guys are doing. We'll find out in a while, right, if they start playing games. All right, we'll take a break. By the way, it should be game week this week. We should be sitting here talking about the first game. If none of this had happened, we'd be talking about the opening game. But instead, we're going to talk about a lot of other games and a lot of other things that are going on and certainly what is going on around the country in terms of um, players opting out. I do have three things ready for you. We will get Heath Klein on here. And... uh, Okay, so let's take a break. We'll do that. We'll be back with more of the Duly Noted Podcast at Gatorsports.com. game day tailgates home this season after a stop at ABC Fine Wine and Spirits. Stock up your huddle with beer, hard seltzers, your favorite wine, or something sparkling. ABC is Florida family owned and has been getting Gator fans ready for kickoff since 1936. Head inside one of their 125 stores around the state or try their curbside service by ordering online at abcfws.com. ABC Access loyalty members can save $10 on wine, 10% on beer and hard seltzers, and earn points toward $5 coupons. ABC, always be celebrating. At ViStar, we believe in better, especially in helping build a better financial future for our members. So we've reviewed our offerings from the ground up. We've lowered or eliminated over half our fees and enhanced our already competitive rates. Saving members more than a million dollars this year, in addition to the millions we save them every year. If you believe that saving money is better, join ViStar. We never forget that it's your money. All loans subject to approval, insured by NCUA. All right, welcome back to the Duly Noted Podcast. Okay, so... Now that we know some of the game times, and we we also know that Kansas and and uh, Wake Forest have both decided no fans at all. I wrote about this in my back nine. If you didn't see it, um, talk to Scott Strickland on Monday about why Florida has not announced their ticket policy. And basically, you know, he said, "I don't want to have to walk something back." Said we we don't know. We want to wait and see. All right, 
What happens with the students coming back for a few weeks? What happens with Labor Day? A few days after Labor Day, do we have a spike there? What happens when we watch the NFL play? College football's cranking up. I mean, I know there was a game on Saturday, and I watched it, believe me, but college football's cranking up a little bit more. It's almost like a um, like an engine that you're, you're you, the first time you turn it, it doesn't do anything, and the second time you turn it, it goes, rrr, rrr. and then the third week, it, rrr, 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 rrr. and then by the fourth week, it's rrr, rrr. that's where we are with college football. They want to see what happens with those games and what happens in the aftermath of those games. Sure. Look, they've got 75% of the tickets that were sold, season tickets that were sold. The people have not cashed in refunds or asked for um, it to be held for next year. They're saying, we're, we're, we're good with it. We'll, we'll wait and see like you. And that's where Florida is. I think Florida's doing the smart thing. I think the SEC's been the smart one. I think Florida's been even one of the smarter teams. And I think they have a very smart AD. And that's why they're saying, we'll wait. Well, wait, in a few weeks, we'll let you know how many people we're going to let in there. And I will tell you that a zero attendance is not off the board. If there is, if it's bad enough, spike wise, you know, to predicate that, I, I don't think it's, it's off the board. I don't think that'll happen. I think if Florida feels like, and the SEC feels like things have gotten really bad again, they will be more likely to cancel the season than to have no fans. That's just my gut. But, I mean, I, we'll see what happens because we, we're seeing it around the country. Um, and, again, not only, not only that, but the financial situations for everybody uh, just continue to hear – you hear bad news stories, and this is part of the, the issue that I think everybody's dealing with is Texas cut – a bunch of people. I think they had 40 people they laid off and 40 more vacant jobs they're not going to fill and made everybody take a pay cut if they made more than 30000 Uh Texas Tech cut a bunch of people. We've already seen other schools cut a bunch of people, and I feel for them, man. They didn't do anything wrong. They just, you know, again, this goes back to what I've talked about before. The more money college athletic departments make, the more they spend, and sometimes – there, there is definitely a lot of fat that's not that hard to cut, but it's not that doesn't make it easier for the people who are being cut. They now are part of the unemployment generation, which we've just come out of nowhere and, and um, had to deal with. So um, we'll see what happens there. Uh, interesting today, right before I came in here to do this, is uh, – that Donald Trump and the Big Ten talk today, and Trump is trying to uh, get them to play, trying to find a way for them to play. Um, and, you know, we'll get more tests to you, we'll get rapid testing to you, all this stuff. Look, I, and I'm, look, I'm not going to say this is a right thing, wrong thing. I don't want to get too politicalist, but this is a political move, and we all know it is. He wants to win the state of Ohio. He ain't talking to the Pac-12 about this, right? He ain't winning California, you know? So there, there's a reason behind this. But I hope I hope it works from that aspect of it, certainly, that the Big Ten finally sees the error of their ways. But, you know, the, the Big Ten has screwed this up totally. And then the story about maybe we'll start on Thanksgiving. Look, no matter what they do, unless they come and play with with everybody else, and, and I'm not saying it's right to play with everybody else. Please let me be clear about that. All I'm saying is the way they have handled it from a PR standpoint and from a lack of transparency standpoint, when all of a sudden just now we found out what the vote was, it was 11-3 on, the, on not to play. Okay, well, you could have said that that day. They have not done a very good job. I'm not saying they're wrong not to play. We'll find out. And I'm not even sure even if the SEC and ACC and Big 12 fly through the season with no problems, that still doesn't mean necessarily they were wrong to cancel. They had their reasons, and that's fine. But they just have looked kind of dumb. And, of course, the Pac-12's out there going, hey, man, these waves are going to be gnarly today. Uh, uh, 
Are they playing football? It, it, I think the Pac-12 has been way more embarrassing than the Big Ten. The Big Ten has been proactive and done a lot of things and 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 uh, thought they could maybe bully the other conferences into not playing so they wouldn't look bad and it didn't work. The Pac-12 just like, oh, whatever they tell us to do, we'll do. There's, it, it's silly out there. And look, I get it. If I was in the Pac-12, I would probably make the same decision. As many hot spots as they have, I get it. But you can't act like you're only going to do what the Big Ten says. And there's now there's talk about them totally changing the conference, changing all the dynamics. You need to get Larry Scott out. That's the first thing, but that's not my problem. Um, obviously, I tell you what, we'll take a break now. We'll bring in Heath Klein. We'll talk to him about – uh, the schedule that came out today and, of course, about that Florida-South Carolina game the second week of the season. And then when we come back, we'll get into a bunch of other stuff. I got tons of stuff to talk about, some sad news as well when you uh, return because it feels like I have sad news every week. It, it really is kind of – I don't know if this is because I'm getting old or people I know are getting old, but at any rate, we'll be right back with more on the Duly Noted Podcast at Gatorsports.com. The Duly Noted Podcast is brought to you by Vistar Credit Union. We never forget that it's your money. And ABC Fine Wine and Spirits. Always be celebrating. All right, welcome back to the Duly Noted Podcast. A great pleasure to be joined by my good friend Heath Klein. Of course, you guys remember his dulcet tones from when he was doing radio around here in Gainesville, now up in uh, Columbia. And uh, we last week we we talked to Richard Cross to talk about Ole Miss, Florida's opening game. This week we're going to talk to him about Florida's second game and also all the stuff that's happened in the SEC. We mentioned earlier times have been released for a lot of games. And, Heath, I don't know whether to be excited or just kind of shove it over to the corner and say, well, we'll get to you later. I mean, look, everything that makes it a little bit more real, I guess you get excited about it a bit. But, I mean, we all kind of understand this thing could pivot on a, on a, you know, any piece of news at any given moment. I mean, like this week alone, we know Auburn has 16 players, according to Malzahn, that wouldn't be able to participate this week. So what would that look like? You know, we know that LSU at one point last week reportedly only had four offensive linemen available. So... It all sounds awesome, but then what's it going to be like when we get to the point where there's not enough time for that to resolve itself before a game's supposed to get played? You know, there's some time to move it back, but the SEC, by putting it on the 26th, they made the smart call in the idea that they'll let everybody else go first, and, and if they have disasters, then the SEC could say, well, we, we listened to science, and we saw what happened, and we, we got out after all. But at the same time, they've given themselves very little room to move if there's problems. So, you know, you, you see around the conference, so these issues have popped up already, and you do kind of say, hey, for all of us, take what we can get, enjoy it the best we can, but this is this is going to be a screwy season, and, and we just have to accept that. You know, I, I, what time is that Tennessee-South Carolina game slated for right now? I, I, I don't have that's it right in front of me. night game. Yeah, oh, they went 7.30 on that one. That's, that's prime time. sweet. I'll be able to just sit back and watch that, and uh, obviously we're not going to go to Ole Miss. I mean, we're at, we're not out of our minds, um, so that that's good if if we get to that point. But obviously, for for uh, it's pretty it's a pretty tough opening two games within the division for Will Muschamp having to play Tennessee and then the Mighty Gators. Yeah, and, and that UF game really will have a lot of emphasis on it because you look at it for South Carolina in a lot of ways the last two years are defined by the UF game. Mm-hmm. Last year, after they had Florida down, really felt like it was a game they should have won and clearly got hosed on a uh, penalty that should have been called. That doesn't explain why the run was successful, but still, I mean, the guy literally stood up before the play and the SEC didn't call it. Yeah. And it, it winds up being a huge run for Florida. They never seemed to quite recover mentally from that the rest of the year. There were other factors, too. Holinsky got beaten up, and he's trying to play in a quarterback role as a true freshman in the SEC, which is hard enough already. And there's a lot of reasons things went wrong. But you, know, you think about how different Muschamp's season is perceived the year before. If they finish the job against Florida in the Felipe Franks resurrection game, and then you think about last year and, and – 
that they were really starting to make some headway there coming off the Georgia win and, and how that changed the mood. Uh, that Florida game early on, yeah, that's one where you feel like, all right, you aren't that far away from this team. You, you've competed with them in the fourth quarter each of the last two years. Can you actually find a way to pull one out against them? Because of the five teams on their schedule that are in the top 13, that's the one, unless you count Georgia, which, again, Georgia was such a weird situation was, last year. It was very weird. <laughs> um, bizarre game that they won that game. But but for feeling like you're close to somebody in that group of five that are in the top 13 in the preseason poll, Florida's clearly the one that you've shown you're closest to. So can you do something with it finally? And obviously, uh, South Carolina got bad news with losing a running back. Obviously, it was a freshman. I mean, again, we don't know how good he would have been this year. but They were excited about him, Pat. They yeah. really, it was the most hype I'd heard on tailback since Lattimore. And that includes, again, a guy like a Mike Davis who you know, had a pretty nice career is in the NFL now. There have been some other good players that have come through. Uh, they really thought they had something with Lloyd. And maybe they will, but, but for this year, he's out. And so that – that was a big blow. They've had almost no injuries. They've had almost no COVID issues, but it's Will Muschamp. So if you're going to have bad luck, it's going to be the most important possible spot you can have it. And, and that is, he has what I call like to call Zook luck, which is uh, he just can't seem to catch breaks a lot of times. And for example, I'll, I'll give you the Florida game last year where they just beat Georgia and, and had a lot of momentum going. And what do they get? A, a hurricane that comes through dampens the crowd they still play really well early and take that lead and and then not only on the on the the one play that was for the the touchdown by Damian Pierce but they also got a touchdown where there was a clear pick Florida did um yep. it, it was it was textbook they they show this to the referees and go here's where you would throw a flag and they didn't so look look Florida fans aren't complaining they feel like they get jobbed all the time too but um that was where you just feel like the must-champ luck came back to, to beat him, and you wonder with a guy like that if, if he's just uh, star-crossed all the time. He, he doesn't seem to be the luckiest guy in the world, that's for sure. But having said that, this year he has, in a weird way, had some luck because the reality is he was coming into a season where all the pressure was on him. Last year, nobody went into the year thinking he was on the hot seat. He wasn't on any national hot seat list or anything like that. Then you lose your starting quarterback, and you have some bad luck there, but you you get the win. The knock had been, well, you haven't beaten a team that was ranked since your first year with Tennessee, and that's Butch Jones, so uh, that almost doesn't count. So when are you going to beat somebody good? Well, then you beat Georgia, and and so – it looked like everything was still going to turn out okay. And then by the end of the year, you had the new president talk publicly multiple times in ways that undercut Muschamp's stability. You had board members saying something else. It was it was really bad. I mean, you had him in a position where he was put twisting in the wind, which is just kind of unthinkable in the span of about four weeks that went from that Georgia game to that. The only reason he's still there is because of the buyout. Mm-hmm. Well, now, I mean, you know the reality, Pat. I mean, yeah. every athletic department has taken a massive hit this year. We, You know, how big the haircut is, we don't know yet, but it's a huge one. Unless there's some booster with money burning a hole in his pocket to the tune of about $14 million, they can't get rid of Will Muschamp this year. Not to mention what it would say about just the overall standards of your university and priorities if somebody was willing to spend eight plus figures to get rid of a a football coach. So uh, he, at least for this year, there's going to be some hothead fans, but for real meaningful pressure, he's had it taken off of him in a way that before uh, couldn't have been possible. So I I don't think this is how he wanted to get there by any stretch of the imagination. But the idea of, hey, you know, you lose that Tennessee game and let's start talking about who's going to replace you, that kind of thing – probably has eased and that's pretty important for him right now because it was setting up exactly like that fourth year at florida where Mm -hmm. everything just was already going into the year with okay when are we gonna have the moment where this is over you know what's going to happen to be the final moment oh it's not the missouri game how is it not the missouri game (laughs) they they lost 42 to 13 and they gave up like five yards how did they do that (laughs) still okay no it's not that i guess it's the georgia Wait, he won the Georgia game? Well, okay, it's the South Carolina. Well, they can't lose the South Carolina game. Oh, no, wait, a Spurrier team blocked two kicks. Well, sure they did. And finally, that's the end of Muschamp. That whole bizarre sequence of events there, it it felt like we were headed for that exact same thing in 2020 in South Carolina. Instead, 
it's probably not going to be much of a story. And for him, that is some luck. You know, I, I think you would have to get, as a head football coach, you would have to get caught in a crack den to get fired this year. I mean, when you see Texas and Texas Tech both laid off numerous employees in the last two days, uh, pay cuts all around, buyouts aren't coming. You know, you'd have to have a very small buyout, I think, to get fired. And I agree with you on that with Will. I think no matter what happens – and again – I think everybody, every coach should be judged basically on the the good things they do this year, not the bad things. For, in other words, if you if you take a stand for social justice and you keep your team with you and you you get them, uh, you you march like like he did and like uh, Dan Mullen did. If you manage the COVID thing really well and you handle things very well and you get your guys ready to play and he, they may not win games. I'm just not sure there's a reason to fire anybody. With, that has a significant buyout anywhere this year. The only reason I would think you could would be if you had some coach that you knew you could hire, that you were sure you mm-hmm. could hire, and he was just so clearly an upgrade that you were just determined to go do it. So you know, I don't think Bob Stoops is sitting around saying, man, I'd love to be coaching South Carolina, but if somehow he let it be known he would take the job, well, then maybe you view it differently than if you're talking about going out and trying to hire Billy Napier from Louisiana, for example, or something like that. But that's about the only scenario. It is if you either have, like you say, just a total disaster, you know, you've lost the locker room, everything is chaos, or if you have that, that unique super coach that is perfect for what you're looking for. And, I mean, that's part of why last year they couldn't make the move. The money was a huge part. But, I mean, look, we saw an offensive line coach get an SEC head coaching job. We saw Eli Drinkwitz off of one year with another guy's players get a $4 million deal from Missouri. I mean, that would, there just was not – high-quality coaching depth to work with last year to make hires. Arizona did not fire someone. Same reason. They couldn't find anybody they wanted. So, yeah, unless you've got that guy you're just in love with, it's just hard to see what the point would be of making a coaching change for most people this year. Yeah, and again, this goes back to part of the the economic model that is college football. The more money they get, the more they spend. Uh, Real quickly, um, because I have one other question for you too, but but Heath, uh, what do you think of this football team this year? How do you think uh, it's going to? I mean, I think their over under was like four and a half. Uh, I I don't know. I I don't know if I'd go over on that. Uh, the the number I'd seen was three and a half, and I think it's perfect because the reality is, I mean, look, there's there's one game on the schedule they basically can't lose. Vanderbilt is a disaster this yeah. year. There's an outstanding chance they go 0-10, and even in the Spurrier leaves halfway year, they still beat Vanderbilt. So I, I just I cannot imagine them losing to Vanderbilt at home. So you got one that you can't lose. You got five against teams in the top 13. UF being one of them, as well as Georgia on the road against LSU, uh, Texas A&M, who you've not been able to make any headway with. Uh, you know Georgia. I mean, you, you just you, Auburn. You, you've got games there that at least on paper. You know, maybe you could steal one. Maybe. You know, maybe you have a weird situation where somebody's depleted and, and you take advantage. But on paper going into the year, it's hard to say, give you at most one of those games and that's it, and maybe none. So then you've got four other games that you basically have to be perfect in to get to 500, and that includes a road trip to Kentucky in the final game of the year that's now in December. And you know how Kentucky can be late in the oh, year. Yeah. That, that could be a mighty chilly game. And who Boy, knows what the plenty of times. Who knows by then what crowds are going to look like? I mean, it could be that there. It it you do have a home home field advantage by then. Yeah. So I mean, you got you got a road trip to Ole Miss. You got a Missouri home game that you know Missouri feels pretty winnable. So I'd be surprised if they lost that one. But you know, I I could buy two and eight for this team if everything goes wrong in the games like Tennessee and. And Ole Miss, and I could buy, you know, maybe five if they can go four-one in the, the winnable games, and then steal the one out of the others. Yeah, but but when your high water mark is five hundred, then it's hard to get super excited about the year. And, and for them, it's really more about can they just survive? Because the way the SEC has set the schedule up, three of their four most winnable games are in their last four. So can you win the Tennessee game in particular is gigantic because if you don't then the only game that's not against one of those top 13 teams is Vandy in week three. So you're looking at probably being one and five, two and four at best if you don't beat Tennessee to start the season. And then who knows where you are mentally by the time you get to Ole Miss and Missouri mm-hmm. and Kentucky that are a little bit more winnable there down the stretch. 
Before I let you go, uh, across the state, I'm, I'm curious what your thought was. And I always get cracked up when national NFL guys and national guys try to talk about college sports because they don't understand it. But when the discussion about Dabo Sweeney going to the Jaguars with Trevor Lawrence, I, la- I literally had a spit take when I heard that because um, it, that seemed a little silly to me. Put it this way, Dabo does not feel in any way like he is someone who is cut out to be an NFL head no. coach. You know, it, Lou Holtz of the Jets was before my time, Pat, but I've heard the stories about how he had like a fight song he wanted the Jets to sing and stuff <laughs> and how it was just a disaster. That's what that feels like. Dabo in the NFL feels like that. The one thing, though, would be if you are Dabo and for whatever reason – you find yourself in a situation where something changes, where the world is not totally to your liking. And there is a scenario. Dan Radakovich, the AD there, their name, his name is is very much in the mix for the ACC commissioner job. Commissioner, so let's yeah. just say, hypothetically, Radakovich leaves, and, and somehow the new guy, despite the fact that your only job is make Dabo happy, doesn't make Dabo happy, maybe then you could decide, you know what, I could go get a giant salary, see if I can do the NFL thing with Trevor Lawrence. And on top of that, it's even easier to come back to take that Alabama job after Nick Saban leaves than it was to leave Clemson in the first place and go to Bama. And even talk to Bama while you're at Clemson now would be mighty hard, I think. It would almost disrespect what you have built there if you're Dabo. But to possibly leave the Jaguars after two years, you're literally following the Saban model. So I I, I don't think that's likely. I don't think that's likely at all, but that's the one thing. Because remember, people forget, Roy Williams turned down the North Carolina job the first time it was offered. That's how they wound up with Bill Guthridge as the coach for three years. Mm-hmm. And then three years later, when they they hired Doherty, uh, it was because, again, Roy, Roy or, I'm sorry, I screwed it up. Guthridge got the job. Then Roy Williams was supposed to get it on the backside of Guthridge. And it was, it was Doherty for three years because he turned it down. And when, when Roy Williams turned it down, it floored everybody because that wasn't supposed to happen. But he stayed at Kansas. And then after Doherty didn't work out, three years later, he takes the job in, in 2003. Well, why did he take it? Because Al Bowl had become the AD at Kansas. And somehow Al Bowl came in from Fresno State and rubbed Roy Williams the wrong way. And so three years later, he was willing to bail when he wasn't three years earlier. So, you know, you never know. Just, just sometimes, I mean, sure. you, you know, Pat, I mean, Spurrier, you know, part of why Spurrier <laughs> left was that the president had changed. Lombardi wasn't there, Young was, and, and some things had changed. And so you never know. If Radakovich is out, that'd be the one thing I'd say, maybe I'd buy it. Right now, yeah, I'd, I'd be real surprised. By the way, I asked uh, Spurrier about it today. We were He called, and we were talking about some other things, and I asked him about that, and he said, he was talking about, well, you know, in the, in the day when I did it, you could triple your salary. Of course, that was a dumbass thing to do to leave for the NFL. I don't know what I was thinking. So, <laughs> because he's just priceless, you know. That's why we love him so much. Hey, and that's why we love you, Heath. Thank you so much for joining us. We'll be back more with more of the Duly Noted Podcast here at Gatorsports.com. Okay, thanks to Heath Klein. We appreciate his time and uh, one of my best friends. Uh, we worked together for so long. We had so many great lively discussions. That was the great thing about it. Um, so we do have football this week, but I, I'm not. I didn't. You know, how I usually give you the odds and stuff on sp- spreads on game. I'm not gonna worry about it right now. We'll get to that next week, I promise you. In fact, I'm going to be on a little bit of a vacation next week, but I already told my boss I'm coming in to do the podcast Tuesday. Put that in your pipe because we're not we're not stopping. The only way we stop doing the podcast is if they stop playing football, okay? We're going to keep doing it because I know uh, it, a lot of people really enjoy it and the time on the treadmill goes by a little faster, right? All right, so – you know, this thing that's happening with LSU is amazing. And I, like, I had them lower in my preseason poll, my AP poll, than uh, obviously the, they where they ended up. I think they were sixth in both, and I had them eighth. Uh, right now, where would I put them? <laughs> I don't know if I'd have them in the top ten. Jamar Chase opts out. Uh, Tyler Shelvin, one of their best defensive player, opts out. 
and I I almost think like they're like, look, this is not going well. We don't think we're gonna go. We're gonna be any like we knew coming back that it wasn't gonna be the same as last year, and we were gonna have a target on our back. But we just don't think we're gonna be. We can see like seven and three, and we don't necessarily want to be part of it and don't want to take a chance on getting hurt. Both those guys are first-round picks. Jamar Chase may be a top-five pick. Now, I don't know what it does to his draft status as the NFL looks at him and says, well, you, how much do you love football? This is a question the NFL guys are always trying to ascertain. How much do you love football? Because you didn't love it enough to go play with your teammates for whatever reason. And, and it's, you know, I, I understand it. And you've got that right. Um, so they, they that's happened. You know, another one that was kind of under the radar, Eli Johnson, the starting center at Ole Miss. Uh, I think he opted out and now he's going to transfer, I think is what I read. Uh, we, we see this all over the place, guys. And I don't think – I think one reason it hasn't happened at Florida, and it could still, like I said, any any day now, all of a sudden two guys could opt out. But I think one reason is that the juniors on this team are players who um, have a chance to do something special and be high draft picks, but they're not guaranteed it. They kind of need to play another year and do something – and the, the the juniors on this team already decided to come back because they got the input from the NFL. And the NFL input well, obviously wasn't very good. So they said, hey, we're coming back. So I think that's one, one reason maybe why Florida hasn't, hasn't had this situation. And, of course, I think Florida's handled things really well, and I think they've done things the right way, and I think the players – feel pretty safe now we'll see going forward now that the students are back um so we got that uh i i don't even want to do i even need to get into this whole jaguar thing you know i know there's some jaguar fans out there that listen to this podcast man it is amazing what is going on you guys all know the numbers uh, the stretch run they had of first five, top five draft picks none of them still with the team uh, Leonard Fournette, the latest to get released because they couldn't find a they couldn't find a uh, a team that would trade for him, and it tells you a lot about his attitude. Um, I, I I've been a big believer in this that that team they had in seventeen had too much success at a young age and let it all go to their heads, and I think that's where a leader, whether that leader is your head coach or an assistant coach, or one of the players on the team, I don't think they had that guy. And I think that's why it's all blown up. And now you're sitting here looking at this situation where it's tank for Trevor that a lot of people feel like, and I don't know how they're going to win three or four games. I asked this question on uh, the other day. Who was I asking it to? Um, I can't remember now. But anyway, oh, it was Mike DiRocco. I said, who? how many – do you think that C.J. Henderson won more game as a freshman in college or as a – will he win more games as a rookie in the NFL first game, first year? Because think about it. Won four games as a freshman. Not a great way, great way to start. Coach got fired. He could win four games maybe in the NFL and coach get fired. So uh, feel bad for C.J. in a way. But he's I'm sure he's pretty happy. Um Anyway, so this whole thing about Dabo, I, I, I mentioned it with Heath. I, I, I don't. I still don't see any way that's happening. Um, and the other thing is, you can't guarantee that some that Gardner Minshew doesn't go off one a couple of games, and you know teams win and lose in the NFL. Bad teams win games. Good teams lose games in the NFL. This isn't college football where teams go twelve and zero all the time or 11 and one even really good teams go 13 and three and bad teams go four and 12 you know and that could happen and and then all of a sudden 
somebody else goes three and you know the Jets go three and thirteen, and you don't have the first pick. Okay, well maybe you get Justin Fields in. Of course, he hadn't played in a year. Although we'll see where that goes. Um, what else did I want to talk about? Preseason poll out for the American Athletic Conference, uh, UCF and Cincinnati, basically almost a dead heat, three points separating them. Um, we are going to do um, – I don't know if I'm even supposed to announce this, but I'm going to do it anyway. Uh, Gannett, uh, which, uh, of course, is our parent company now, um, we're putting together our own SEC media day, so we'll do a poll that will come out soon. I'm sure the coaches will have a poll, but we'll have our own poll of the beat writers and, and uh, an all-SEC team and some other stuff. So be on the lookout for that in the next couple of weeks. Um, all right, let's get to three things. It's time for three things. All right, number one, um, I talked about how it just feels like every week I'm on here talking about somebody that we've lost. Some, sometimes it's somebody I knew. Sometimes it's somebody I don't know. No, I didn't know. Uh, Monday was a really bad day. Uh, my, my wife's uh, brother, Michael, passed away. He'd been, he'd been ill for a while. Um, I don't want to get into specifics, but he just, um, you know, event, it, it, his body gave out. It was just done. We're all, we're all in these little vessels, you know. That's what we are. These bodies are our vessels. And at some point, they just say, that's all I got. That's all you get. And it was very sad for her, very sad for me. He was a sweetheart of a man. Um, just a, a great guy. And um, it makes me very, very, very sad. It's It's been a hard, obviously a very difficult week for my wife's family, but, um, you know, I spent so much time with the guy. It, it's very hard for me too, and very hard for, to lose somebody that young because he was, uh, certainly way younger than me. Uh, so we, on that same day, we lose John Thompson. And, and, uh, that was, you know, again, I, my relationship with John Thompson, I only, I interviewed him a couple of times and I was telling this story the other day. I, the first time I interviewed John Thompson, I, uh, I was afraid. I was afraid because he's so smart. I was afraid of asking a stupid question. And you know me, I can ask a stupid question. I was petrified. I've never been that scared interviewing somebody because I just didn't want to ask the wrong question. And luckily, I think I got through it without being corrected or being told that was a dumb question. Mostly the story was about, his son, who was coaching against Florida in the NCAA tournament, that was the year Florida, of course, won the first national championship. But that's uh, John Thompson. You know, I don't know if he's on the Mount Rushmore of coaches in terms of just coaching, but he's on the Mount Rushmore of coaches who affected the game and affected their players and affected people around him. There's no doubt he'd be on that. And, of course, uh, Chadwick Bozeman was a, a, another tough loss over the weekend. That, I, you know, obviously I didn't know him. But I, I'd forgotten that he played uh, the the linebacker in Draft Day, which is a movie I like. I, I don't know what it got on Rotten Tomatoes, but I like that movie a lot. I thought it was pretty cool with Kevin Costner. He played that, and, of course, he played Jackie Robinson in 42, which is – I watched it again last night. I – I welled up a little bit thinking about it. So tough, tough week, and it feels like, I don't know, life is not fair. We just have to kind of deal with it because it's not going to be, it's not going to get any more fair. You know, it just isn't. The vessels wear out for one reason or another. Chadwick Bozeman had colon cancer. Obviously, when you're that young, you're not going to get a colonoscopy to check and see if you've got it. You, you know, nobody would tell you you should. So anyway, on that lively, positive note, let's switch off to number two on three things. Um, I, I I really enjoyed the golf this weekend. That that finish was incredible with Dustin Johnson making that roller coaster putt and then. 
Uh, John Rahm uh, making one right behind him on the playoff hole. Um, it sets up for a fun week end of golf because it doesn't start till Friday, the Tour Championship. And I was on the roller coaster myself with Billy, Billy Horschel, who looked like he was in, then he was out. And it went back and forth. In fact, my daughter's got me watching. She wants me to watch all the Harry Potter movies with her. And so I'm doing it because I love her. And she was right about Breaking Bad. She's usually right about every movie she makes me watch. The Harry Potter were three deep, okay, so far. Eh. <laughs> I'm going to go with a – I like the first one a lot. The second one was not good, in my opinion. The third one was pretty good. They're long. They are long. So I think we got number four tonight. But – she said, Dad, you can watch. You don't have to watch this golf. Come watch it. So I taped it. So I watched it. And I wasn't sure for sure until I came back to see if Billy Horschel didn't make the top 30. And he did, barely. Skin of his teeth. Happy for him. I'm such a Billy Horschel fan. I, I cannot tell you. Obviously, uh, in fact, maybe when the tour championship is over, we're, of course, we can't get him on that week because the U.S. Open's being played. So I say we can get him on the podcast. I'll, I'll still try. I'll shoot for it at some point. Um, but just the greatest guy in the world. So I root hard for him. Unfortunately, he starts out with a 10-shot deficit to Dustin Johnson, the way they set up that tour championship, which I get. But because you don't want to play all year to get to that point, and then you're all and, – and that's the way it used to be. Now everybody's even. But this is a great opportunity for Billy because – yeah, you can set your schedule. You're in everything now. Any tournament you want to play in, you're in. Tournament champions, you're in. All the majors, you're in. I, I, he might have already been qualified for them, but that's good news for uh, for Billy. But it was a lot of fun to watch. And number three, um, because I, I, don't, I can't do a tweet of the week on a sign because the sign is visual, but I wanted to share this with you, and I know that you may have already heard about this because it's making the rounds all over Twitter. There is a road sign from the Department of Transportation in Mississippi, and you'll see it on the highway. And Look, it won't be hard for you to find it, but here's what it says. Like the Big Ten, stay home and avoid gatherings. That's their warning to people. This is in Jackson, Mississippi. Man. That is cold, brother. Cold. That accurate. We'll see. Maybe they don't stay home. Maybe they do decide to play. We don't. We don't know what's going to happen there. I don't personally. I don't think the president urging you to play is going to make that much difference. Um, I don't care who the president is. Urge. You know. Like I said, I know why he did it. We all know why he did it. So why he's not bothering with the Pac-12. But um, I don't think that's going to change. I think the Big Ten is still trying to figure out what the hell they're going to do. Are we going to play in Thanksgiving? Are we going to play January 1st? Are we going to play in dome stadiums? They still – and that's where I think they – again, the area, one of the areas where I think they screwed up is that they made the decision we're not going to play in the fall – what is our plan? Let's not announce it till we know what our plan is. Not just, we'll figure something out down the road. Come up with a plan. All right, that's going to do it for today's podcast. Hope you guys enjoyed it. And uh, thanks so much to Heath Klein for coming on. And we'll get out of here. We'll be back Tuesday. And uh, please, um, please be safe. This thing isn't over yet, as you know. Please be safe wherever you are. And try to remember to wear a mask when you're in public. It's not that hard. You have to wear shoes, don't you? Wear a mask. All right. Till next time, I'm Pat Dooley, the sports columnist of the Gainesville Sun. I am deep. I am way back. And I am out of here.